Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. On this episode, we are talking about breaking through scoring barriers. You're stuck in a runt of always shooting the same thing. So how can you break through and shoot lower? Let's get into it. You start the round solid. You play the first five holes at even par. This is exciting to you because you are finally playing the way you know you can. But because you start thinking about how good you're playing, you also start worrying that you're going to let this good score slip through your fingers. You desperately hope that it won't be yet another one of those rounds where you work your way back to that same old score you shoot. So you begin to play protectively. You start making decisions based on where you don't want the ball to go. You start avoiding trouble by trying to guide the ball out there. This causes bad swings, which causes bad shots, which causes bad holes. You bogey the sixth hole, and the panic starts to set in. This panic causes even more worry, which leads to even more protectiveness. You think if you can just go a hole avoiding more trouble, you... You can right the ship and stay on track for your best round yet. You hit a decent drive on the seventh hole. You are terrified to hit it out of bounds, but you manage to get it into the rough. The second shot on seven isn't too bad, so you get it out of the rough, onto the green, 40 feet from the hole. On the green, you let yourself think about how good a birdie would be right now. If you can just run this putt in, you'll erase the bogey you made on six. But at the same time... That you think about making birdie, you also realize how bad another three-putt would be. You know yourself, and you always three-putt in this situation. With both thoughts swimming around in your head of, I need to make a birdie, but also don't three-putt, you overthink the speed of the green, and you leave your first putt five feet short. The emotions are flooding in now. You miss this, and it's another bogey. That's two in a row. If you make another bogey, you are officially working your way toward another bad round. You've got so much negative energy flowing at this point, you can't possibly make a good stroke. You miss the five-footer and make your second bogey in a row. Now, you're mentally spiraling, and there's nothing to hang on to. The eighth hole can't possibly go well. You're wrecked by the fact that you have let this good front nine get away from you, and you carry that into your tee shot on eight. You make yet another bogey on eight and nine. You get a hot dog at the turn and guiltily scarf it down, but this space from what just happened on on the last four holes gives you some perspective. You let yourself realize that you've been way too tense. You're four over now, which is a much more normal score for you anyway, so you realize that you might as well relax and just enjoy the back nine. You play the back much better. You shoot one over with two bogeys and a birdie. You'll probably look back on this round as another one that could have been your best round yet. Maybe along with some frustration of how often you tend to do this sort of thing, the amount of times I've heard my players talk about this issue is actually crazy. They start well, then mess it up, and then kind of relax and and get back into the groove and and play well on the back. That type of thing happens all the time. You can probably relate. And it doesn't even have to be the difference between 76 and 72. It can be the difference between 
105 and 99 or how you always hit a bad drive on that one hole. You know the hole I'm talking about. Or how that one course seems to have your number. You know the course I'm talking about. The same principle applies to all of these different situations. And what we're going to do is going to help you learn what that principle is and how you can use it to help you not have the same difficulties going forward. But first, let's walk through why the thinking in our scenario above was unhelpful. For starters, there's a big difference in the way you likely were thinking on the first five holes and you're thinking between the fifth and the sixth hole. So you had the the first five holes where you, you played them at even par and then you kind of took inventory on your score for the day and how it was, how you feel like you should always start. Or maybe it was even better than you usually start. Either way, on the first five holes, you were just playing golf and hitting shots, not thinking about your score. But then, once you got through that imaginary barrier after the fifth hole, you began to think about score. As we all know from our own past experience, and something I've seen time and time again from myself, from other players, once a player starts thinking about their score, the least it can do is barely hurt you. And the worst it can do is totally derail your round. Thinking about score is almost always detrimental. So this inevitably leads to you running a comparison in your head of this round that's going great to your other past rounds. Whether it's conscious or subconscious, you're running that comparison in your head. This round is going better. Suddenly, you feel outside your comfort zone. You always seem to shoot this one score, whether it's 76 or 95 or or whatever it is. And you can never seem to break through that barrier to shoot lower. Or you always hit it in the same place on that one hole, and you can't seem to hit it in a better place. Or you always seem to play that same course the same way. Your comfort zone can be an extremely limiting thing. Tell me if this sounds familiar. When you play the front better than normal, you find a way to shoot worse on the back and shoot your normal score. Or you play the front bad, but on the back you find a way to shoot your normal range of score anyway. This is because you have a score comfort zone. This comfort zone happens because once you've gotten to the end of an improvement curve, you typically level out. Sometimes this happens once you start working with a new instructor and you get better for a time, but eventually that rise in skill slows down and you don't seem to improve by much anymore. It's very natural. You slowly lower your score barrier until a certain range becomes normal. You you kind of get to the bottom of that scoring ability with that one new instructor or that one new swing technique or whatever it is. At this point, you groove in a normal range of scores, and it becomes very comfortable. In our example, around 3-6 to over par is this player's comfort zone. Anything above it is dissatisfying. Anything below it is overly exciting. So, if this comfort zone is keeping us from shooting lower scores, how can we break out of our comfort zone? That's the root of this, isn't it? How do we break through our comfort zone and shoot lower scores? I've got one technique that I want to go through that I've learned is very helpful when it comes to ignoring your comfort zone and breaking through a scoring barrier. Most of the time when we hit good shots, we react very neutrally. Think about yourself. We react very neutrally to good shots. But when we hit bad shots, we react with a lot of emotion. I don't know why this is, but this seems to be almost everyone's default way to react. 
we as humans tend to do this in regular life too. When things go really well, like we catch the green light, we're first in line, we get a good grade on that test, we get a really good night's sleep, we react as as if this is like how it should always go. But then when things go poorly, like we hit three red lights in a row, we get to the line just late enough to have to wait behind five other people, we get a bad grade on that test, or let's say we sleep terribly. We attach a large amount of emotions to these scenarios. How dare the world deal us these circumstances? My day was going so well until this happened. You can see how, and you can relate, I'm sure, how there's so much emotion built up when negative things happen. And what happens over time when we, when we react in these ways, neutral to good things and strongly to bad things, we begin to see bad things as normal. So let me explain. There's been a lot of research on this topic. Uh, I've, I found a website, sciencedaily.com. It's got the name science in it, so we know we can trust it. <laughs> Rebecca Todd from the University of Tennessee explained, quote, we've discovered that we see things that are emotionally arousing with greater clarity than those that are more mundane, unquote. And what's even more interesting for our purposes of breaking through scoring barriers, she says, quote, We found that how vividly we perceive something in the first place predicts how vividly we will remember it later on. We call this emotionally enhanced vividness. And it's like the flash of a flashbulb that illuminates an event as it's captured for memory. In other words, the more emotional an event is, the more clearly you remember what happened. Dr. Todd says, Quote, whether events are a positive, for example, a first kiss, the birth of a child, winning an award, or negative, such as traumatic events, breakups, or a painful and humiliating childhood moment that we all carry with us, the effect is the same, unquote. I think you can relate to that. You can remember those moments that were, that were tied with a high amount of emotion, whether they were good or bad. I have those events in my head, the, the ones that were super high in emotion. I actually... Uh, something that comes to mind right now is one time we were at my uh, my dad's mom's house, my grandma's house, and we were playing on her back porch or front porch, whatever. And we were playing on a stationary bike, and the porch is about like five feet off the off the ground, above the ground, no no railing for whatever reason. Old house, so I fell off the stationary bike and fell off the deck onto the ground and and hit my head on the ground. And I had this huge knot on my head, and I, and I just remember how emotional the moment was. I felt embarrassed, scared, in pain, like I did something wrong, whatever it was. I a lot of emotion attached to it. And I could still remember that moment. I was probably like six or something, but I can remember that moment because of how much emotion was tied to it. And I have countless lists of things that I can remember that were positive and negative because of all the emotion that was tied to it. So I think you can relate to that too, I'm sure. So whatever we attach the stronger intensity of emotion to, that's what we will more vividly remember. And as a natural result, the things we can remember better affect us more and have a stronger effect on who we think we are. How does this play out in golf, you might ask? Back to what we described earlier of reacting neutrally to good things and having a strong emotional response to bad things, you can see how this method of operation can have a strong effect on what we remember and consider normal. 
When we react strongly to bad events, say a drive that goes out of bounds, or a hole that we play really bad, or a course that we play terribly, we essentially plant a flag in those memories and we tell our brains that it's very important that we remember these events. And the better we remember those negative events, the more we think that they are what normally happen. Over time, you go from, that was a terrible drive, how could I do that here, to, I'm a bad driver of the golf ball. Or you go from, wow, I played that hole terribly, to, I always play the seventh hole awful. Or, that was the worst round of my life, to, I always play that course terribly. Or, I always play bad in that situation. I I never shoot a good score on the second day or on the final round, or I never start... I never start well. You can see how one bad negative thing said after another turns into I always. The good thing is, it doesn't have to be this way. Yes, we as golfers tend to be very self-deprecating and sarcastic. Well, at least the golfers I'm always around. But we can reverse this. We don't always have to be self-deprecating and sarcastic. We can use the power of our emotional memory, our vividness that Dr. Todd said to change our golf game and break through scoring barriers. Let's go through an exercise that I think hits this nail on the head. This on-course exercise is all about awareness. If you're one of my players, you, you might know it's coming. If we're trying to go from reacting strongly to bad things and neutrally to good things, we need to first notice this happening and then work on changing these thoughts. I call it the tick mark exercise. I got this idea from reading the book Zen Golf by Dr. Joseph Parent. It's really good. I highly recommend you read that book. If you're into the mental game, which I assume you are because you're listening to the mental golf show, I highly recommend you read that book or listen to it or whatever. It's awesome. Dr. Dr. Parent's really good. Here's a passage from the book. I'm going to give you a free passage uh, if you haven't bought it yet. Dr. Parent uh, quotes a, a an old, I don't know, Buddhist kind of parable or something. Uh, He says, a young monk was spending some time each day in meditation and contemplation. He wondered how many of his thoughts during those sessions were virtuous about doing good deeds or non-virtuous about deeds based on hatred, greed, or prejudice. He collected a pile of pebbles and put them in front of himself. He also placed a bowl to his left and another to his right. As he meditated, he would put a pebble in the left-hand bowl when he recognized a virtuous thought. For a non-virtuous thought, he would put a pebble in the right-hand bowl. At the end of the first day, he looked down to see how he had done, and he was surprised to see that all the pebbles were in the non-virtuous bowl. Without judging himself, he simply continued this practice, starting over each day. After a few days, the number of pebbles in the two bowls was about equal. After a few more days, almost all of the pebbles were in the virtuous bowl. So the moral of that story here is just by actively noticing your thoughts, you can reduce the amount that you think certain things. We don't want to bring a bowl and pebbles out to the course, of course. So an easy way to do this exercise would be to make a tick mark on your scorecard every time you catch yourself thinking about something that is negative towards your own ability. Anything that you decide would over time lower your self-image about your own game is something that you will choose to notice, and you'll make a mark every time you have a thought that falls into that category. A very important note about this exercise first. 
Just like the young monk, you must not judge yourself when you notice the thoughts you are trying to remove. As Dr. Parent calls it, exercising non-judgmental awareness is so important to our ability to let ourselves move in the direction we want to move. So, over time, you are noticing these thoughts, and as you go, they should decrease simply out of the act of non-judgmental awareness about the thoughts. I think you should start doing this exercise right away the next time you play golf. If you're playing golf tomorrow, do this exercise. Get a scorecard, start making marks on the thought that you deem necessary that is lowering your self-image about your own game. Just make marks. Once you've done this enough and you feel like you've reduced the number of times you have thoughts that would lower your self-image, you will then begin to attach a high amount of emotion to the good things you do and reacting in a neutral way to the bad things that happen. And because you've over time reduced the amount of self-deprecating thoughts and words, you will naturally react much more neutrally and it will free you to react with much more positive emotion when it's time to be positive. And what you'll find is that when you haven't been swimming in negativity constantly, most things in golf and life have more things about them that are good than are bad. It's something you can't realize when you're always being negative. When your first reaction to something that is bad is high emotion, if instead you react neutrally to bad things and positively and great to things that are good, you'll find over time that most things aren't that bad in the first place. Like catching a red light is not that bad. I don't, I shouldn't say this, but it gives you a chance to look at your phone. Like it gives you a chance to check on your text messages. Don't do that. Don't look at your text messages while you're at a, at a stoplight. Don't do that. But there's not, it's not so bad. Like really, like truthfully, not that bad. So with patience, you will eventually see yourself in a different light. Right now, you have too many pebbles in the poor self-image jar. But over time, you will tip the scales and have an overabundance of self-belief in your own game. I know this can seem like a cheesy solution. Just think better about yourself and you'll play better golf. It almost sounds like fake it till you make it, but it isn't that at all. I promise it's not that. You are simply noticing yourself being negative to yourself and then shifting into noticing how good the things you do actually are. There are good things around you all the time. It's just up to you to notice them. And by noticing them with much stronger emotion, they will stand out much more obviously in your memory. And this change of memory means a change to your default thought about yourself. So what does this mean for our scenario at the beginning? As you remember, the player has played the first five holes in even par, which they had said is finally how they know they can play. But that thought quickly went to trying to not mess up this good round because you feel outside your comfort zone and you know that you tend to let the round slip away in these situations. But you're not that player anymore. You've been noticing your self-deprecating thoughts and you've also been taking special note of your good shots and the good things that you are actually capable of doing. So when you start around it even, which is in fact how you know you can play, you don't immediately start thinking about how your score, uh, thinking about your score and worrying that you'll let it slip away. You actually feel comfortable in the situation. You know that you're able to handle it because you know the good golf you're capable of playing. And if you were to hit a bad shot, 
or have a bad hole, which you will. It's golf. You're going to have bad shots. You're going to have bad holes. You will let the thoughts drift off with non-judgmental awareness. You're going to let them drift by like clouds in the sky. Just You don't judge the clouds in the sky. Well, maybe you do, but if you do, that's weird. You're going to let the clouds drift by with non-judgmental awareness. You're aware of them, but you're not judging. Where you would have begun the spiral into a bad round, you never even give the spiral an option to start. So you make a bogey, but then you bounce back with a birdie, and you continue to play the rest of the round solid, and you ultimately shoot your lowest score yet. As good as this scenario sounds, it isn't a magic pill that automatically makes you play better. But rather, it's a slow, disciplined, diligent process of overhauling how you see yourself as a golfer and a person. And this fundamental change tends to make better things happen more often. It raises your level of confidence, which makes you hit hit better shots, which further raises your confidence, which further makes you hit better shots. Intentionally attack your game in this way. Notice the negative, accentuate the positive, and become better than you once were. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Mental Golf Show. If you liked it, I'd love it if you shared it with someone you know needs to hear this, someone who's just way too negative about their game. Maybe it's the person you play with all the time, and they're the one bringing you down. So them noticing their negativity would help you. So send this episode to them. And if you really loved this episode, or you just love The Mental Golf Show, give the show a rating at Apple Podcasts. It'd be awesome if if you went to Apple Podcasts, Even if you don't use Apple Podcasts, go to Apple Podcasts, leave it a rating. There's a lot of good ratings. I think we've got like a 4.6 out of 5 on the uh, Apple Podcasts. So that's great. Thank you so much for reviewing if you've done it. And thank you if you're going to go review it. So here's a bold ask. The next time you play, I want you to do the tick mark exercise, the one we talked about. And then I want you to take a picture of it. And I want you to share it on social and tag the mental golf show. On Twitter and Instagram, that's at Mental Golf Show. I'd love to see who wants to work on their game in this way. Are you going to work on your game like this? Show everyone, and especially show the Mental Golf Show, that you're going to work on your game this way. Do the tick mark exercise. Notice that those negative thoughts that are bringing your self-image down. Make a tick mark every time you notice it. Take a picture of it after the round. Even if it's awful, like show, show everyone that it's okay. It's okay to be working on your game. It's okay to not be perfect. Share it on Twitter and Instagram. Tag the Mental Golf Show at Mental Golf Show. That'd be awesome. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys next time.